talking about Hannibal Season 3, Episode 10, and the woman clothed in the sun on Dish by Dish. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's real pal Patrick Hamilton. Coming to you once again from the Baltimore Institute for the Criminally Insane, this is the Dish by Dish podcast. It's an offshoot of Kill by Kill, where we watch an episode of Hannibal and then we talk about it. And of course, there's only one person I trust that if I show her this wonderful painting that was done even maybe with a, a few chalks, she'll knock me out and eat it as fast as she can. The one, the only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? I, I've been, I actually wrote down a question I, I wanted to ask you in regards sure. to this episode. Um, so Ready, why, don't we, why don't we just go ahead with that? Okay, go for it. Um, so what painting would you eat in order to gain its power? Oh, you know, this is a very good question, Gina. And of course you can hear in my voice that I'm vamping a known lover of the arts such as myself. What would I choose to steal its power? I do love the Andy Warhol, uh, uh, the multi, the four color version of Bella Lugosi. I do feel like that has a lot of coolness that I'd like to grasp onto. Not so much the desire to shoot up heroin until I die, but there's a lot of cool energy going on in that particular lithograph. Um, now, see, I used to have a Velvet Elvis painting in my first apartment. Um, so okay. I, I, it, that was lost too many moves. Uh, you know, I'm sure that your 20s were the, <laughs> sure. were the same thing where you, you know, you acquired a oh, lot I have of things. many heirlooms from my 20s, Gina. <laughs> yeah, you, that you, you know, you acquire and then you lose over the course of moving from apartment to apartment. Um, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I, I would like that painting back so that I could consume it. You're right. So that you could have the energy of the Boz Lerman. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that kid, you see that kid? What a performer. My goodness. No, but seriously, but seriously, have you, have you, have you, have you seen Elvis yet? Yes, I have. Um, I very much enjoyed it. I mean, even though the first 10 minutes, I was like, I don't, I don't know if I can handle this not ending soon. I, I'm, (laughs) I'm truly losing my grasp on it was like i was spinning off of the earth um uh, but eventually it did settle in um it is an incredible performance i do think it's an amazing film i do think it is not necessarily touching the reality that is elvis it is more a mood piece of elvis as elvis said as a much more complicated relationship with the black musicians that he constantly stole from well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that they you know, sort of sort of uh, brush past, but I think just for, for for pure spectacle, it's it's really you know, mm-hmm. probably yeah. oh. you know what you know you, you know the people keep using the phrase movies are back, baby. Well, that's like that that definitely <laughs> you know that no movie is more back, baby than 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 Boslerman's yes. Elvis. <laughs> It backed up a whole uh, truckload of movies exactly. into the movie theater. <laughs> it is absolutely trying and uh, often is succeeding. Um, it is a dizzying lead performance. Um, Tom Hanks is at his most confusing. And I, I, I like how he says Santa Claus. It is Claus. a real attempt. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know, I, 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 you know what? I leave dad alone. He, he's at a point in his career. Sure. 
where he is making some interesting choices where he is playing yes. Colonel Tom Parker and Geppetto in the first in the same year. <laughs> I I God bless right. him. I, I just hope he spends the, the the second half of his career just doing the weirdest shit and making a meal of everyone of all of it. Yes, he's I, I mean that is uh it's one of those things where I've I've never heard Colonel Tom Parker talk. So I don't know what my expectations were other than he was going to like twirl a mustache and probably come off like Mark Twain in a one man Broadway show. Um, And so I was quite stunned to hear this random Dutchman um, (laughs) waddle onto stage as if this was the first draft of the Batman's penguin uh, makeup (laughs) and just uh, lure a, a, a man of talent into a long-term contract in which he just steals money from him and no one says shit for decades. Like <laughs> he co- Elvis, for all his talent, criminally fucking dumb. When he comes into that scene wearing that Christmas sweater, I'm just like, "Oh my god, that's cinema, baby!" I I will wow. wa- I will watch I will watch all the <laughs> I will watch all the outtakes of this. I will I will watch the six hour long director's cut. Give me more. Force feed me Elvis. Regina, we're snowmen, you and I. <laughs> Only we understand what it's like to talk about Hannibal. You got, um, you got to sing the what Santa Claus. What were we talking Claus. about again? Uh, Hannibal, I don't know. <laughs> the Santa Claus. <laughs> then he had all these fucking knickknacks like a goddamn loser. Oh, <laughs> God. Hey, I have you know, I am currently <laughs> sitting in a room next to a shelf full of knickknacks. So... <laughs> I the only reason I'm not personally. is because my house is so tiny. Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't begrudge you. I don't begrudge anyone. But when I see everyone online, particularly in the circles online that we run in, when they have this entire goddamn wall of Blu-rays and whatever the fuck, and you're like, that sounds great. But my house mainly consists of windows. So I don't, I can't, I don't have places to display shit. It's like we choose one piece of art and you're like, we're done for a decade. Everything else has to be hidden, baby. I have this cardboard box full of pop dolls and every once in a while, I'll just, ro- I'll just <laughs> rotate them through the one that could, the, the, the one single doll that could fit on my desk. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like Jeannie was like, I I love that I love that you have this thing that you want to collect these horror movies, but I do have a practical question, and that is where the fuck are you going to put them? And I was like, well, uh, I'm gonna come up with a creative solution. So I got one of those giant, what looks like a um a cinder block that you put you know discs into. Uh, with little uh, file folders and uh, they're full. It's fucking full. I think there's 400 slots in the fucking thing and it's gone, baby. I'm moving on to number two. Well, who told you to buy the DVD (laughs) of pieces? Well, here's the problem. The, the pieces is a three disc. It came with the 4k, (laughs) the Blu-ray, 
and I believe the soundtrack, which honestly I do want to own because if there's anything you want to own from pieces, it's a soundtrack so that you have something behind you when you get stoned and fuck on a waterbed because <laughs> that's the best sex of your life. Speaking of best sex of your life. It's the kind of sex that will send you roller skating into a plate a glass window. I was going to say, speaking of best uh, sex of your life, arouse let's, someone. let's talk, let's right, talk yeah. this episode of Hannibal. Because <laughs> again, another, like it does any other show on television have better orgasms than Hannibal. I, I'm a little self-conscious because it's like, you know, I've had some good sex, but I mean, I haven't had like, you know, my body separating itself and melding together with the other yeah. person. I mean. I haven't bifurcated <laughs> psychedelically and traveled through altered states <laughs> while my penis has been in someone else. I mean, I, it's been great. Don't get me wrong. Like sex. Awesome. Uh, I, I high recommend for everyone who has the desire and the permission from the uh, other party or parties. But uh, have I like mind melded with someone who is uh, using the spice and transporting me across time. <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> and uh, maybe that's, that might be a me problem that maybe I'm not good enough to do this. Maybe I'm in my head. I, I don't know what the, the uh, maybe I'm on uh, the wrong drugs. Maybe I'm not on the right drugs, um, but holy shit. Like, if you're having that good of sex, don't you think at that point you're like, you know what? Maybe I don't need to kill families. But no, Francis is still in this game, baby. That was a that was a nice distraction, but it's not keeping me from my main goal. Well, I, I feel like the the uh the kind of the breaking point was she literally was like she's like, that was great, but I gotta go home now. <laughs> Listen. You know, I'm not complaining about the dick, but it's also not the dick. So thank you very much for touching a tiger with me. That was great. Um, thank you for recovering from your immediate orgasm to have a much better orgasm. And or th that the subjective nature of the sex in Hannibal is not necessarily the feelings of those two people. But how everyone behind the scenes making Hannibal in and of itself is like, this is kind of how we imagine sex is. And we shouldn't be taking it so literally. I don't know which one. Uh, but it turns out like Francis, you know, for a guy whose latest conquests have been knifed to death with mirrors in his eyes, he does okay in round two. Yeah, and it's interesting because at least in the book, um, it sort of implies that it's his first time. <laughs> and, um, I don't, right. I, I don't, they don't, they don't make that apparent here. I think you just kind of like, you know, he's just so awkward and so uncomfortable, you know, with anybody that you you can't really see other than you know perhaps paying a sex worker, which is probably just a unpleasant experience for everyone involved. That, you know, what circumstances, you know, might have led him to be able to, you know, enjoy sex before in as much as he's capable of enjoying anything. Um, but yeah, so, but and that's honestly a, a, a kind of a trope, though. Like, you know, if your first time somehow it's spectacular, everybody's having multiple orgasms and, you know, you know, everybody knows what to do. Just, you know, like they've been doing it their whole lives, you know. 
Well, that that's something we kind of branched into in the last episode, that this version of Francis Dollarhide is a little bit of a born sexy yesterday <laughs> where he's just unknowing about so many things in the world. And yet when he needs to hot wire a house to make a phone call, like he hands that down. Like he doesn't, he doesn't have to look at, at a tutorial on YouTube. He just knows how to do it. Also, I, um, I want to know, and, and I want to know how he was able to, talk this zoo into letting him bring someone in to touch an unconscious tiger. <laughs> like uh, yes. all, all I'm thinking I mean, is, is, is my God, the insurance, like there's no possible way <laughs> that, that like who were his connections at the zoo that he was able to, well, here's well, a, here's a fun date. Let's go touch a tiger. Yeah. <laughs> and if that, if that is your prerequisite, for having the sex of your life is that you've got to coordinate your second date with somebody to when a, a tiger is having a dental procedure done so that you can have your, your hopeful uh, sex mate touch that tiger in such a way that by the time they reach the mouth, you're jizzing in your pants <laughs> so that a couple hours later you can, Again, jizz in your pants, <laughs> and then you can have sex. Like, yeah, I, I there's uh, a lot. Of- I, I do. I just to do a compare, a quick compare and contrast of uh, of this scene has done here and has done in Manhunter. Manhunter, because as we, yeah. my Manhunter, yeah. Uh, because yeah. as we as we mentioned, this one is following very closely. Uh, with the both the book and and Manhunter, like it's you know, the the only uh one of the primary differences uh is when um Hannibal Lecter cons someone into giving him Will Graham's home address instead of asking her to look on a Rolodex, he she, he asked her to look on a on a computer. Yeah. That's like the only time that they yeah. updated it. Um, yeah, I now, was I was because it was matching so closely. I was thinking, is he going to say Philofax? Yeah, he's so close to it. <laughs> um, and I don't remember the scene how the scene was done in Red Dragon. Uh, but well, here's the thing, Gina, I watched both of them, but continue and then I'll go back. Okay, so I I, I like the way it was done better in Manhunter. Because he's mm-hmm. sort of standing in the background, um, and she's yeah. and so and like the veterinarian is kind of the veterinarian is guiding her through touching the tiger, which which and the veterinarian thinks like I think there's a look on his face like oh wow I, I'm surprised that Francis has such a hot date, but I'm just gonna like roll up like he kind of cucks. <laughs> Francis a little bit he's right behind her like he's like guiding her right and which would seem to and me which would seem to be the you know the logical thing to do whereas the veterinarian here just kind of steps back like oh, I'm gonna let you two just do your thing I'll be back in a little while call me if you need anything <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so, so we drugged up this tiger but I I got a smoke I got a smoko that I gotta hit so so Francis, uh, you do you so Francis sort of just stands in the background and watches her and is very emotionally moved by her reaction like it like it at one point he like looks like he's almost swooning uh which i i i I really like how that's done 
and you know, all all praise to Tom Noonan for you know that's as close as he gets to being really emotional in this in this in this role. Yes. Whereas here he's he's sweating, he's licking his lips, he's like kind of crouching down and watching her, and it's like, you know, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I know she can't see you, Francis, but surely she can sense that you're right there, and and you know he's kind of <laughs> amping up the creepiness a little too much. Yeah. Um, it's, and here's the thing, like in Manhunter, it's not that Noonan isn't creepy. He absolutely is. And holy shit, the shirt that he's wearing, he <laughs> yeah, should his, be arrested. His date, his date outfit. Yeah. <laughs> his date outfit is. It's like, it, a, it's like a disco shirt. <laughs> right. Re- remember the one guy who had to watch Arnold Schwarzenegger on the airplane? He ends up getting his neck broken. Yes. It, he's literally dressed like that guy. Yeah, and, and Francis, uh, Francis it, usually gets his clothes, very much gets his clothes, the Salvation Army. Yes, uh, it is uh, bizarre. But yeah, he's in the back corner, literally like touching the face of God. While And the the way it kind of lays out, obviously the big advantage of, the, of both Manhunter and Red Dragon is they're both using real tigers. And in here, you can kind of tell it's a bit of a prop with where they're making the lungs move, which is fine. You don't need a real tiger. It's fine. Um, but in Manhunter, uh, Reba reaches for uh, along the side of it. Uh, she kind of goes um, from the center to the left where the mouth is. And that's, where you get the first big reaction shot from Francis. Uh, but then it's, I'm going to listen to the heart by putting my whole head on the tiger's body, which I imagine would be qu- quite a transcendent experience. Um, it's it's uh, for a movie that is very primary color driven. That sequence is very Miami Vice watch washed out greens and pinks. The same is very true of Red Dragon because obviously the director of that film has no original ideas and is simply trying to mimic every component of Manhunter he possibly can. And so that, there's no tiger mouth touching. It is all heartbeat focused. She's amazed at this and of course, again, a transcendent experience. But there are two other physicians in the room while she's doing it. And now you get to the Hannibal version and they've pumped up the colors here. The background goes all black as is kind of the theme for this season. You don't get a lot of depth of field here. Everything is very present. The oranges of the tiger are practically neon as I guess we're seeing it through Francis's eyes. And he even says the, the orange of the tiger is, is emanating like it's changing the, the colors of the world around it. And so it, that sort of psychedelic thing. And then once she reaches the mouth of the tiger, <laughs> it's Francis. Oh, 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 in the <laughs> yeah. background. Yeah. He's uh, not very much in control of his faculties. <laughs> <laughs> no, he just absolutely fucking loses it. And I guess this gets down to uh, the the main question of every version of this, which is, if this is both a date in the conventional sense, but very much a test to see if Reba has it within her to, I don't know, 
touch something dangerous because he is dangerous. And I guess, you know, if she can get through this, then, you know, she can try to give me a blowy on my couch. And (laughs) when I fail that, then we, then I will pick her up like fucking Tarzan. And, we compared and, her before to, to we compared him before to Frankenstein's monster, which is which is which, yes. is which is what he is. I mean, he's practically doing like the stiff walk, like right. clump clump clump. Yes, uh, and know, it's uh, the second uh, uh, evocation of Frankenstein in this very episode because Will calls Bedelia the bride of Frankenstein. Oh yeah, Will Will's earlier in, in the yeah, show. Will's in full bitchy mode in this. He's just he's so oh, judgy. I I really dislike what they do really to is. him in the in the second half. I mean, he really kind of thinks that you know the the bizarre and dangerous relationship he had with with Hannibal is so different somehow from from you know the one that Bedelia yeah. had with him and the one that Alana had with him and he's just like you know it's like oh well what makes you think, makes you think you're so good it's like well what makes you think you're so good at all this you know? and yes I don't like for two and a half seasons, he's been like, I don't know if I'm all that cool. And I think it's kind of dangerous to make me do this. I don't really want to. And here he sweeps in with like a capelet. And he's like, oh, you think you're so awesome. I know you're lying. Like, why are you being such a bitch? I don't understand this. I mean, it's a choice. And it's a very different choice from any other will we've seen in any other version. So I get it because we've been more invested in his journey, but it does feel slightly out of character for me. I I think a lot of it, I think a lot of it does actually come down to jealousy. He he doesn't, he doesn't like discovering just how many people that, that uh, uh, Hannibal had this, you know, really intense, codependent you know i'll get in your head and you know make you do my will relationship with a lot of people right you know i mean who, who, does, who, who doesn't kn- want he who, knows about this who doesn't want to who doesn't want to think they're you know they're they're the, the 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 primary if not only love of someone's life and then when you found out that right. there have he been other, to- yeah you find out there have been others or you know you, you raises your hackles he, he wants to be a main character energy. And when he discovers that he is another chapter, um, he's very upset about it. And he treats other people in, in a manner that's not going to get him what he wants. It, it I guess if maybe um, the, it had been done in such a way. And of course, ultimately, this is a great show. and I love watching it. Please do not. Uh, take this as any sort of oh Hannibal's wrong and I could have done it better or any of that bullshit but I think it's possible that if you had this had been the opening of season four when after you know more stuff had gone on I think it would have been easier to take to have seen that transition but ultimately it feels like more like I didn't learn anything from season one or two <laughs> And I'm bitter about it. Right. It's, it's yeah, it, it's just a weird, he's, he's, he's sort of acting too much like a bitchy, jealous ex. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and that, I guess, you know, the Francis Reba portion of this particular episode is uh, very lifted from the book. And then to sort of stretch it out a little bit, and I don't say stretch it out in the sense that, you know, there's an off camera stage manager, you know, pulling his fingers apart off stage. Like we don't have 43 minutes. Um, they return to Bedelia and what she's been up to, which is having black box theater readings of her time, quote unquote, have been drugged and psychologically tortured by Hannibal when she was in fact an active participant in it. And then, going into more detail of her relationship uh, with uh, Zachary Quinto's Neil Frank, um, because we had kind of heard about it in season one, seen the end moment of it uh, early in season three. And then we kind of get a lot of buildup to it here. And again, I feel like going full just before dawn is a real wild swerve. <laughs> just, the way the scene plays out is it, 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 so remarkable. Like, like, I guess Hannibal has done something to him that he, like, when he gets very upset, he starts choking. Uh, and and yeah. so, you know, he's in you know, extreme distress. He falls down. Uh, Bedelia, I guess, I guess you're supposed to assume like his tongue has fallen back into his, his blocking his airway. Uh, so she yes. sticks her hand into his mouth to try to clear his airway. And then she's like, but you know what? Fuck, I was going to see how far this thing goes. <laughs> you know, I didn't think my hand fit into your mouth. I'm just going to see. Like, it, this is weird, right? She just does it. Well, she just does it. Well, let me make sure it's him. full clear. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> just. Reach all. Let me get elbow deep. Let's see if we can't just, clear up this problem. Maybe it's a like a plumber. I just go in there and remove the clog, and then you're good to go. Just a, just a Bowser from Shauna, she, nah, full fist in the mouth, and all the way down. <laughs> like I am looking at my uh, hand. I don't. I don't have a very large hand, and I right. do not know if there's anybody that I can just simply just. And she doesn't do it with a lot of force. She just kind of like, okay, there yeah. we go. Now we're down his throat. And it's like, I don't know if that's it turns- possible. Well, yeah, that's the th- I think she's as surprised as anyone else. I mean, here, here's Jillian. Jillian Anderson does this incredible thing where it's set up. She tells Will, you know, you people have an evolutionary response to see seeing something in distress and one would be to put it out of its misery and the other is to to mother it back into health and my first instinct is often that i would just kill it i don't do that but that's an instinct i know about myself so we what assumes this was an instinct that hannibal knew and thought what if I, you know, as he's wont to do in his wankery way, what if I put these two paths together and see which what which way she pulls the lever of the trolley and she fits her hand inside his mouth and she's like, oh, okay. Well, how about a little bit further? <laughs> and then you get the inside his neck shot, which I did not remember again. <laughs> Some of this seems to have been memory hold. 2013 must have been one fucking interesting summer for me because I don't seem to remember shit. 
And her eyes light up like, oh. This is what <laughs> it feels like to kill. all the way fucking down. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I didn't think I would get to my elbow. And yet, here we are. I guess I'll just pull out now. And then she has a fainting couch moment because <laughs> she's also had an orgasm, I guess, of a way uh, down this dude's throat. Um <laughs> fisting this man <laughs> to death yeah i mean essentially it's not the she, way like, she she kind of yeah. she kind of raped him to death yes 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 um and it's a transcendent experience and when she that rattles her and of course we see the aftermath of that over and over again um but it's kind of like listen, I didn't know what I was capable of. And then I was put in a situation where I discovered what I was capable of. And then I came to terms with it and I'm okay. Um, and if that means that I have to tell a little white lie in terms of my participation in his and Hannibal Lecter's European vacation, um, fine. So be it, you know, I get the ticket sales. I still get to keep my house. She seems to have come out of this, very very well yeah i mean you know worked out for her yeah sure did um and of course the other component about this um she puts on a little show in which she insinuates that dante was the first nimby then he's like this is the way hell is baby (laughs) and of course uh she she evokes the fact that it was before Dante, no one had come up with the idea or at least vocalized it, that instead of the gates of hell was the mouth of hell, which of course she ends up putting her whole forearm into a little bit later on. And then, and then, um, and then, not uh, subtle. and then, you know, it ends with someone literally eating a painting. Yes. Um, and that's like, uh, a big scene in the book, not really. Exp- I don't remember that in Manhunter. It's not in Manhunter. It is in it is in Red Dragon, though. Yes. Um, what I I and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't believe in Red Dragon. He and Will collide, whereas in this version, he Will happens to be there moments after he's begun his happy meal of this painting and uh he confronts him in the elevator and francis just again picks him up like tarzan and choke slams him into the back of a, an elevator <laughs> um will is out of his league when it comes to a physical confrontation with francis dollaride i mean he really is out with everybody will is like a will gets tossed yeah. around like a rag doll yes and he's been he's had his fair share of serious injury like it's a kind of a miracle he's not walking around with a cane um so the fact that he gets you know tossed out like yesterday's trash or the the saber-toothed cat and the flintstones at the end of every episode um it's not surprising i don't know how francis makes it out of there but once you eat a painting you're not keeping your your reign of terror on the down low like you're very much exposing yourself to you're in the end game Right, exactly. It's both, all this stuff kind of has to happen. And it, all the Bedelia stuff is very interesting. But it does feel like a little bit of a placeholder episode 
where it's like, well, these things have to happen in order for the rest of the show to fall into place. Um, yeah, if you are, if, weird, if, but, uh, if you are, if you are watching, you know, and it's your first time watch, yeah, you're, you're, you've hit a run where we've kind of, you've gotten more into the psychological stuff than the really over the top death scenes i mean granted yeah you have a woman putting yeah. her entire arm down a dude's throat but but you know yeah. most of this is more like just people getting into each other's heads in a really unsettling way yeah uh and you know thank goodness they dusted off the mothballs of the old hannibal uh psychology suite uh so we get to see uh, all those very tall ceilings and window treatments yet again just, just so um, elegant, so you know. elegant. Yeah, that's. I think, you know, if you're into this section and you want to just watch all six of these episodes in a row, th- I think that is the best way to do this. To just go for it and you know mash all the way through them rather than taking them necessarily one at a time. Um, I, I d- it probably comes off a little bit better that way. Um, rather than the episodic nature of, you know, weekly television. Uh, that being said, it's gorgeous as always. The music is histronic and out of control. Um, and who doesn't love a, a orgasmic, you know, psychotropic, just, uh, it's just a, a, Mr. A, Toad's wild ride, a, a sexy lava lamp. <laughs> Oh my goodness. And of course we could choose our own death venture, but only uh, one person dies unless you count that painting. So would you rather be eaten or would you rather have um, uh, Bedelia's uh, fist down your throat? Oh no, no. I mean, are we, are yeah. we, am I, am I, am I already dead when I've been eaten or, or, or is someone like tearing off little pieces of me and just. Uh, that painting was never alive. So I'm assuming that you have simply been living under plastic for a while. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way I'm taking that, that no, fist down the throat. No. That feels like a very bad way to go. Um, although Jillian, if you're still into it, I'm kind of willing. I mean, if it's you, if it's Jillian Anderson, I don't know. I'm willing. To I mean, talk. she probably smells um, amazing. So, I mean, if you, if you, if, if you last, she probably smells like, like lilies or some kind of really high end French perfume. Right. And, you know, I mean, I guess if I just kind of close my eyes, just, you know, take a sniff, you know, be like, oh, okay. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah. And then like when people are going to talk about it, there's like, how did he die? Jillian Anderson stuffed her entire forearm down his throat. And he's like, ah, oh, what a way to go. Uh, you know? I was going to say, Jillian uh, Anderson, Jillian Anderson fisted him to death. Whoa, that's hot. <laughs> uh, weep for him. In this economy, that's a great way to go. That lucky um, bastard. That'll just about. <laughs> Um, that'll just about do it. Um, don't worry, folks. Uh, the body count will continue. Um, for myself and for Gina. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.